Awesome. Isn't God good? All the time. All the time. Absolutely. At the end of that song, when my wife just sang so beautifully well, she said, Oh, what a precious promise. Oh, what a gift of love. The waiting is over. The time has finally come. For the God who made this world to roll back the curtain and unveil his passion for the heart of man. Oh, what a precious promise. Lying in a manger in Bethlehem. What a glorious event it was when Jesus came on the scene. What had been prophesied for centuries upon centuries finally became fulfilled. Jesus, he fulfilled the promise of a king in the line of David. Jesus, he fulfilled God's promise to Abraham that through him and his seed all nations would be blessed. The promise that was fulfilled of a deliverer, of a coming Messiah, of the Christ. God's anointed, God's chosen one. You know, we sing songs about Jesus Christ, don't we? We sing songs every week about him as the Messiah or the Christ. We read the New Testament and the various authors in the New Testament refer to Jesus as the Christ. When our friends swear and curse, they often use the name Jesus Christ, don't they? But you know, whether you're swearing or whether you're worshiping, that's who he is. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. He came as the anointed one to save and to liberate God's people. He came as their deliverer. Have you ever wondered why we who profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior are called Christians? We're called Christians. Calling yourself a Christian is literally calling yourself someone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ, the one who was prophesied in Old Testament times to come save and deliver God's people. Today, if you are a Jew and you have not accepted Jesus yet, you are awaiting the Messiah's first coming. As Christians, since we believe that Jesus has already come as the Christ, we are now awaiting his second coming to fulfill the rest of messianic prophecy. The Christ child's birth was predicted, it was anticipated, and it was expected. Isaiah 9, 6, written some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And this child, this child whom Isaiah prophesied about, was born in the little town of Bethlehem in a manger. This is the account of the birth of Jesus from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Follow along with me on the screen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he, Jesus, will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. This is a very 
profound and very bold statement. To say that an infant, small, vulnerable, completely dependent upon the care of his mother, would be the one to save people from their sins is an amazing statement. But this morning, that's exactly what I am here to tell you. With the birth of Jesus, with the delivery of this baby, the Savior of the world came onto the scene and everything changed. He made an everlasting mark on history. From that moment on, things would never, ever be the same. This Jesus who came to the earth as an infant boy, he changed everything. He completed God's plan for salvation by his birth, by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection. Jesus' time on this earth is without a shadow of a doubt the defining moment in all of history. And so we celebrate. We celebrate Christmas. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for Christmas. The birth of Christ. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. On Monday night, we were driving over to Grammy and Papa's house, and we were singing Christmas carols. We had a ham that a couple of you had bought for us, purchased for us. My wife says that bought isn't a word, and I just used it. That's hilarious to me. That's so funny. But we bought this ham, or we didn't buy this this ham. Uh, A family actually bought it for us. And we brought it to Grammy and Papa's. We're singing those Christmas carols in the car. We're celebrating Christmas. It's a wonderful time. But there's this thing that we do. We all do it. It's a strange kind of thing that we do during Christmas. We get seasonal amnesia. I mean, we remember his birth, right? We get completely consumed, absorbed by his birth and his coming to this world. But we forget what he did and accomplished once he got here. It's like celebrating the birth of Martin Luther King Jr. and not remembering what he had done for civil liberties and racial equality. It would be like throwing a big birthday bash for Abraham Lincoln and forgetting all the things that he had done to end slavery in America. Yet we do this every Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, forgetting that this baby boy would die for our sins, that he would raise from the dead so that we might have eternal life. But let's not forget today. Let's remember Jesus. This is what the Bible tells us about Jesus. Listen up. Pay attention. Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 16. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things, say all things, were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things, say all things, all things were created through him and for him. We must remember who it is that we're celebrating On Christmas, we celebrate the Christ. We celebrate the Messiah who came to save the world that everyone might have eternal life. But I don't know if you've looked around you lately, but we have forgotten who Jesus is. As I look around my community, as I walk my grocery store, as I go into the mall, as I flip on my TV, as I watch a movie in the movie screen, I could wonder if anyone even cares or if it matters to anyone that 2,000 years ago, On the very first Christmas, Emmanuel came. We just sang about him. Emmanuel, God with us, came to this earth. And if you've walked in this morning, maybe you're struggling to find a good reason why to celebrate him this week. Maybe you're really seriously and honestly debating whether to work the Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth, into your family celebrations. I want to give you... Three reasons why you should care that Jesus came. Three reasons why you should care that Jesus came and fulfilled that promise of the coming Messiah. I would encourage you to write these down. Hopefully we have sermon notes. Pull out your bulletins. Follow along. Write these down. Number 
Why even care that Jesus came on the scene? Because Jesus, Messiah, is the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can save you. Let's be honest for a second. Take a quick inventory of your life. How's it going? How you doing? How's your family? How's your marriage? Your kids? Your career? Your finances? How you spending your free time? What you doing when no one else is looking? Are you proud of your life and what you've built it upon? Are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled? Is your life heading in the right direction? And I'd say regardless of how you answered those questions, how you scored on that scorecard of life, I want to be very clear with you this morning. Your need for rescue is real, whether you recognize it or not. Whether you have it all together or your life is a complete mess, the Bible tells us that all of us need a Savior. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We all need a Savior. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it continues, it says, all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. How did God's grace come? It came through Jesus. See, we've all missed the mark. We're short of God's perfection. But through Jesus, the the verse that I just read says we have been justified, justified, divinely declared righteous. And we have been redeemed. We have been bought with a price, setting us free from the slavery of sin. Hallelujah. Another verse says that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son that he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, without Jesus on your own, the Bible tells us that you are living in darkness. But Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Jesus rescues us from darkness. He gives you his light. And even as I read those scriptures, as amazing as they are, there are some of you in this room that don't feel like you need a Savior. In fact, you might be coming to church every Sunday, looking real good, putting on that fake Christian smile. And you love being a part of this social club. I mean, you love the community. But you've never come to grips with your depravity. You've never cried out to the Lord, save me. And to you, I'd simply say this. Ephesians 2 tells us that without Christ, we are dead in our sins, dead in our sins, that our sins make us guilty before a holy and a just God. But Jesus can save us from the penalty of death, forgive our sins and give us life. Your sins don't just put you in the doghouse of life where you're like a whimpering puppy waiting for your master to come over, pat you on the head and give you a little treat and forgive you of your sins. No, your sins have sent you to the morgue. You're dead. We have been born spiritually dead. We are dead to righteousness, dead to holiness, dead to obedience, dead to faith. We are dead. And you need a Savior not only to forgive you of your sins, but to give you life. To give you that full, abundant, satisfying spiritual life. And everything you do outside of the saving work of Jesus Christ is going to fall short of the glory of God. It will be considered sin. But when the Savior comes, He makes you alive. He makes you alive by his Holy Spirit. You need a Savior. Number two, second reason you should care that Jesus came as the Christ. Because Jesus Messiah is the only one who can give you and bring you hope. He's the only one who can bring you hope. You know, I love Facebook. It's, it's a pretty powerful tool. But Facebook can actually also be kind of depressing, right? 
I mean, it's disturbed my way of thinking towards humanity. It has given me a window into the thoughts of man that at sometimes I wish I didn't have. You know, I, I knew there were negative people in this world. I knew they existed far off in a faraway land. I just didn't realize that some of the most depressing people were my friends. You know, I was a latecomer to Facebook. I held out longer than most. But when I actually first joined, I thought about canceling my account within a couple of weeks. After reading all of these negative, inappropriate, obscene, immature, objectionable, offensive posts. But then, you know, God spoke to my heart. First, he convicted me of my holier-than-thou attitude. Had to do some repenting there. And secondly, he told me that he loved those people. And instead of running away from my social media friends that God had placed in my life, I was instead supposed to embrace them, to love them, and to share Jesus with them. And so that's what I try to do. I try to share Jesus. As a Christian, when you share Jesus with the world, what are you sharing? You're sharing hope. You're sharing hope in a hopeless world. Did you know that Jesus is the hope of the world? He's our only hope. Princess Leia got it wrong. (laughs) And living with hope, it's powerful. Living without hope, it's a death sentence. C. Neil Strait expressed this need for hope when he wrote, Take from a man his wealth and you hinder him. Take from him his purpose and you slow him down. But take from man his hope and you stop him. He can go on without wealth and even without purpose for a while. But he will not go on without hope. We're living in crazy times. Where mass shootings occur much too frequently, where starvation and poverty is much too prevalent. And to be honest, evil seems to win over good far too often. But because of Jesus, we do not lose hope. We do not waver in our faith. We know that in the end, Jesus wins. Did you know that? He wins. He wins. Love wins. Hope wins. Jesus wins. I read this passage last week, but for those of us who weren't here or maybe haven't memorized it yet, I'd like to read it again. It's the message version of Romans 8, 35, 39. As you you listen, hope permeates throughout this passage. It says, Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. For Scripture says they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. It's a beautiful passage. And I think it's important as we ponder the love of God and the hope that he's brought us through his son, that we'd remember it's not a temporary hope. That this is a hope that comes and goes. It's a hope that lasts. It's the hope of eternal life. A life that begins when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But it continues on into eternity. When Jesus entered the world, when Jesus enters your world, hope enters the world. Christ means hope. Christ 
means hope. Christ means hope. It means hope to the person out of work, to the struggling single mother, to the kid being raised in a broken home. Christ means hope to the believer who's on their deathbed. Even if you're just slogging your way through life, through all the disappointments, if you have Jesus, you have hope. And it's not that false hope. It's not a childish fairy tale kind of hope where we wish it would have a happy ending. When this baby boy, the Christ, when he rose from the dead, it ended the argument, period. It sealed the deal. Our hope in him is real, it's solid, and it lasts forever. Jesus is our hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And finally, on your outline, you should care that Jesus is the Messiah. You know why? Because Jesus Messiah loves you. He loves you. He loves you. In my short life, in my time on this earth, I have watched thousands upon thousands of sporting events. I love the Seahawks. Go Seahawks. Come on. Beat the 49ers. But there's another team that I love, uh, the Seattle Mariners. They're a little less well-known because they lose a lot. But I love the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Mariners. Come on, Jason Bay, right? Kendris Morales. None of you know what I'm talking about right now. But we're building up a team. We're going to win the World Series. I will say that every year of my life, I got about 60 more years, by the grace of God, for me to be finally right. (laughs) But when you go to sporting events, there's these banners, these posters, and they say various things. You know, ESPN, you know, SportsCenter is next, or maybe it would say, I don't know, uh, Russell Wilson, will you marry me? Uh, My favorite back in the day in the kingdom, probably none of you remember this, but it was up on the 200 level. I think it was an orange or a yellow sign. And it said, Edgar Estacaliente. Anyone remember that sign? I'm probably the only one in here. I love that sign because I loved Edgar Martinez. And Edgar Estacaliente. And I had no clue what it meant. But I thought it was so cool. Edgar Estacaliente. It actually means Edgar is hot. (laughs) For those of you that never took Spanish. But, you know, there's one sign that trumps them all. There's one sign. See, John 3.16. It says this. It says, for God so loved the world, listen up, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Can we read that together? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Did you know your hope is eternal life? Why did Jesus come to this earth as a baby born in a manger? Because God so loved the world. Why do we get to celebrate Christmas with all the carols, the presents, the singing, the living nativity, Scrooge, Nutcrackers, Zoo Lights, all of it? Because God so loved the world. Why do we rejoice and raise our voices during Easter time? Because God so loved the world. Why do we care about Jesus? Because Jesus cares about you. Because God so loved the world, because God so loved you and loved me and loved Brother Ray. He loves you. He loves you. And don't you forget it. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? Do you remember that one? The the story of the son who asked for his inheritance and he leaves his father. After the son has left his father's care and begins to go his own way. It doesn't take long for him to become miserable and lonely. Did you know there's a lot of miserable and lonely people this holiday season who are choosing to go their own way and not God's way? You know, being disappointed and disconnected from God, it will eventually ruin your happiness. But God so loved the world. And at the end of the story, when the son returns to the father, this is what the Bible says. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. God loves you. He loves his creation. And yet his creation has been turning away from him ever since sin entered this world through Adam and Eve. But God loves us. And his heart is a heart of reconciliation. Did you know that the Bible says that he reconciled us to himself through Christ? We were brought back into right relationship with the God of love because of Jesus. That is good news. The Bible also tells us that just as one trespass, the sin of Adam, resulted in condemnation for all people. So also one righteous act, the act of Jesus, resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. What happened 2,000 years ago, it matters. It's of eternal significance. My prayer for each one of you this morning is that it would matter to you. That God so loved you. That he gave his one and only son to be born in a manger, live a perfect life, die a horrific death. And raise up from the grave three days later. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have the hope of eternal life. That if you believe in him, you would not perish, but have eternal life. Do not waste this Christmas. Do not get seasonal amnesia. Remember who this baby is. I mean that. Remember who this baby is. Remember what he has done for you. As the risen Christ, do you not know that he has the power to save you, to give you hope, to give you eternal life out of the abundance of his love for you? And I'm getting the okay symbol back there, so that's pretty good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. I want to say this as we close. Some of you have come into this place with a longing heart. And pay attention. Some of you have come in, I get it, a longing in your heart, that unfulfilled desire that weighs heavy upon you. While others of you have come in with an emptiness in your heart, you've come in with a void as though something is missing. Others of you, you have come here broken, recently devastated, recently wounded by a friend or a loved one or a family member. The holidays, they seem to heighten these heart conditions, don't they? They do. The holidays can be really hard. Whatever emotional distress you were feeling back in September and October, it gets cranked up a notch in November and December. And we spend the rest of the winter trying to dig ourselves out of that funk, don't we? I've lived that way. I know what that feels like. But I know what it feels like to live a different way as well, a better way. See, I rededicated my life to the Lord when I was 18 at a worship night in Seattle. Surrounded by a thousand other college students. And on that night, for the first time, I felt the joy of the promise fulfilled. I experienced the excitement of being a new creation in Christ where the old was gone and the new had come. I sang a song that night that I'd never sung before. I'd never even heard it before. And it reminded me of my desperate need for a Savior. It went like this. And I... I'm desperate for you, and I, I'm lost without you. And I sang that song on my knees with tears streaming down my face, with my arms raised up high. 
I cried out to the Lord in desperation, and the Lord saved me. It's been 14 years since then that I followed hard after Jesus, and it has been full of ups and downs. Some amazing triumphs and victories, yet many, many trials and heartache. But I've seen hope where there seemed to be no hope. I remember when I was deep in the middle of my gambling addiction. Nine years ago, this Christmas Eve, I was leaving my girlfriend's house at 10 p.m. going straight for the casino and gambling away a lot of money. Until finally I went to my parents' house, cold, alone, and broke early the next morning. That morning before we opened presents, I told my parents I had something to tell them. That I had a gambling problem. And my friends, on that glorious and beautiful Christmas morning, the hope of Jesus entered my parents' living room. And you know, 2012 marks my eighth year of celebrating Jesus' power and breaking the power of addiction in my life. The Lord gave me hope. Hallelujah. And as I walk out the rest of my days on this earth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am learning to hear His voice. I am learning how to obey His will and to follow His ways. I have learned that the voice of the Good Shepherd is a voice that loves me, that cares for me, that has a plan for me. Every day, I am reminded of God's great love for me. But what about you? What about you? We've been hanging out for an hour and 20 minutes. A lot has happened. What about you? December 23rd, two days before Christmas. In the midst of everything that is going on this morning, I believe that God is speaking to some of you. Speaking to you in your need to be rescued, to be saved. And I want that for you today. I really do. God is speaking to others of you that he wants to share with you a true and lasting hope. But some of you must first get to a place of honesty and transparency with the Lord and with a community of believers. Confessing your sins, repenting of your ways, allowing the light of Christ to enter the darkness, allowing hope to enter the room. I pray that you would not wait another day for God to bring you his hope. And finally, there are others of us sitting here today that have never experienced that love of God in a personal way. Because you know of God, but you don't know God. He wants to reveal himself to you today. Today, he wants to shower you with his love. But first, you must accept his son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. Do you know that God wants to cover you with his grace, forgive you of your sins, and to give you life? But first, you must accept that free gift of grace. This gift of grace, the most amazing Christmas present ever that came as a baby boy. They named him Jesus. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died a shameful death and he rose from the grave in order that you and I might have the hope of eternal life. If you want that assurance, if you want the assurance of an everlasting life in the arms of an everlasting father, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that you want to experience the hope and the life of Christmas, I would like to lead you in a prayer of salvation. It's as easy as that. It's a free gift of grace. If you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's kind of awkward. If the Lord's really speaking to you, you probably have sweaty palms. I get that. It's nerve-wracking. But if you would like to do that, if you'd like me to lead you in a prayer, just raise your hand in front of everyone else. Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. 
That's awesome. Anybody else? Just raise your hand with a boldness. So what if it's awkward? Raise your hand. You know what? I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate with you. I'm not going to make fun of you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Absolutely. I got you. Both of you back there. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Going to have to build a new room. The kingdom's getting bigger. Go ahead and put your hands down. We're going to pray in just a second. Hallelujah. For everyone else, my challenge to you is simple. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. It's so easy to make Christmas about everything except Jesus. But as you go home today, make him your priority. So you know it's not too late. It's not too late. Remember why we celebrate his birth. Emmanuel, God with us, came to this earth and he saved us. He is the promise fulfilled. Let's pray. For those of uh, us that raised our hands and hallelujah, I, I'm just so proud of you. That, that takes guts and that takes courage and you did it. And um, your life will never, ever be the same. Uh, it's, you don't just add Jesus. Um, he actually comes in and everything is changed. Everything changed. He doesn't just become number one in your life. He becomes your life. And so this is a big deal. This is a big day. A party is actually taking place in heaven right now. The angels are rejoicing. This is good news. But I'd love to pray with you. Um, and how about everyone just uh, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I confess my sins that I have lived away from you. But I repent and I turn from my ways. Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, teach me, show me, guide me according to your ways. I love you, but I'm thankful. That your love for me is greater than I could ever imagine. Today I celebrate a new life. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen. Amen. And then for the rest of you, I just want to say this real quick. And with all heads bowed, there are those of you that have been playing the game. And you know what I mean when I say that. You get it. There's a Christian game that's so easy to play. But I pray against that in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, anywhere where we have been playing the game, just putting on the play clothes and coming to the house and playing our little games of smiles and handshakes and hand claps. If we've been playing the game, Lord, break us in the mighty name of Jesus. That we would get to a place of authenticity and transparency, Lord. You have not called us to walk around trying to put one over on everybody else. What foolishness, as if we could ever put one over on you, God, when we come before your judgment seat, Lord. So I pray for freedom from all of that, just freedom. Freedom from living double standard kind of lives, from living secret lives. Freedom, Lord, that we could be who you've called us to be. Some of you are so heightened and so just tense. With your sin, it weighs so heavy upon you. 
that you can barely move. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that those chains would be broken. That there would be freedom in this place. Freedom. The word that comes to mind is that you could relax. Some of you haven't been able to relax for a long time because you're always looking behind you, wondering if the sin that you just did is going to catch up to you. I know, I feel it within me. But as God breaks the chains of your sin, do you know what happens? You can relax in His presence. You can just enjoy the freedom that's found in God. I pray that over you. If it all heads bowed, if that's you this morning, I just feel like there's a couple of you in here that's, that's you this morning. Just go ahead and raise your hand that I can confirm with you. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. All over the place. Absolutely. I feel that. But Lord, I also know that when you came, you set us free. It is for freedom that you set us free. It is for freedom that you set us free. And if the Son has set you free, guess what? You're free indeed. <laughs> it's not just a temporary freedom. You are free. And Lord, we praise you for the freedom that we have in you today. As we go home and celebrate Christmas Eve and Christmas, I pray for smiles. I pray for laughter. I pray for hugs. But more than anything, I pray for you. That we remember that Jesus came as a baby boy. But 33 years later, he died. He died for our sins. And three days after that, he rose from the grave and conquered death and gave us the hope of eternal life. Let that be sealed on our hearts forever and ever. Hallelujah. In your name we pray. Amen.